Shout out to Nathaniel. This far noise is for you, buddy. Speak in the agony cast. Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And uh, this time's guests are... I'm Ryan. I am the knitting enthusiast that your mother warned you about. I'm Lars, better known as Grizzly Man 2. <laughs> and I'm Jeremy, but I perform as the Southern Belle drag queen Giorgio Queef. <laughs> you know, I haven't Googled that, but there's no way I'm the first yeah, one. Right. There's, there's no, no way, way I'm the pioneer on already. this. Yeah. If it is, you need to, to trademark that. It's probably Southwestern, <laughs> though, right? Well, it doesn't matter, but... I mean, especially given the possibilities for, like, flower-themed imagery that you could work with. I mean, man. Yeah. That's, yeah, that bit really writes itself. Right. Urban Dictionary suggests it's already a u- term in use. A girl who's so loose every time the penis... Are f- well, you know what? Let's not worry about it, but it exists. <laughs> That's <laughs> the definition for everything in Urban Dictionary. Getting a little too yeah. blue for the agony cast. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, that's kind of a teaser for my Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Uh, so long-time adherents will know how this uh, train wreck works. We begin with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Wherein uh, each one of us will have approximately two minutes to respond to a predetermined prompt. Uh, this time, the prompt was, it's well known that Steve Bannon made his bones by profiting from a Seinfeld syndication deal. It's less known that he also sent in a script he wanted produced. Summarize it. Uh, and it looks like, Ryan, you're kicking us off. Take it sure away. Sure thing. Yeah, no, I'm happy to take this off. So, um, you know, given that this is Bannon, um, you might imagine that his Seinfeld episode would be sort of just a bunch of horrible racist nonsense, given his association with the alt-right, the notoriously awful alt-right and all of that. And you might be surprised that he was involved in Seinfeld at all, um, given his long-standing anti-Semitism. These aren't jokes. It's just we have to mention that this is a horrible person, right? Uh, bef- before the jokes. Right? Disclaimer, this is a terrible monster of a human being. Um, but, uh, you know, he's actually a writer. Um, and in fact... He wrote a little-known and never-produced hip-hop musical, this is true, um, about the L.A. riots called The Thing I Am. Um, It updated Shakespeare's Coriolanus to the mean streets of Los Angeles set during the L.A. riots, Um, and it never got produced. It did get a reading recently, uh, Rob Corddry was one of the readers, actually. Um, But you can see some of his writing chops in the musical because it included some lyrics like this one. Yo, my name is Baby Gangster, and I'm here to say I hate these L.A. riots in a major way. I would rather go to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, because these L.A. riots are really lame. Why shouldn't my peeps just go to Grauman's Chinese Theater and say to these race riots, see you later? Now, everybody, please listen to my song, because my point is, can't we all just get along? So you can imagine what this rap musical would have done for race relations had it been fully (laughs) produced. Just imagine um, really what it would have done. But um, that just shows he's got writing chops. I mean, the man is a writer. The uh, rap musical included phrases like peep game boy, um, which apparently is something that he felt that uh, African-Americans say on the streets. Um, But anyways... 
he another thing you didn't know about Bannon, and this uh, the Seinfeld thing is coming, I promise, uh, <laughs> is that he Take invested in the Biosphere project of the early 90s. And that's actually where the Seinfeld um, connection comes in because oh. his plan was to leverage his work with the Biosphere to make an episode of Seinfeld in which our gang is sent to live in the Biosphere. And they're chosen because they're ideal candidates. They're both antisocial and codependent, right? So they only really <laughs> need each other. Um, and sticking the four of them in there will get them out of the rest of our hair for, you know, several years. But as you can imagine, things go south pretty quickly with disastrous and comedic results. So George starts seeing a female engineer that works there, the only other woman besides Elaine in the whole biosphere. Um, but he gets upset because they break up and she tells him that they both should meet other people. Um, and just there aren't enough people to meet. Um, so they have a small, uh, small group to work with of potential mates. So that's his problem. Uh, Jerry struggles with his comedy. He's got only a small audience to perform to, right? So he can't um, use the same jokes over and over again. So he resorts to more and more desperate bits, eventually resorting to carrot, stop, carrot top style prop comedy. It's a mouthful. Um, but it's sort of like a reverse MacGyver thing because he takes useful scientific objects and turns them into useless comedy props. Um, so that's his story. Elaine gets in a beef with her co-worker who does not like that she insists on eating tuna salad every day because it really fouls up the biosphere's limited air supply. Um, and Kramer launches a get-rich-quick scheme involving trying to market a line of fashionable hazmat suits for the biosphere. Now, in our climax, in which all our stories converge, Elaine opens a biosphere window to let some air in the place to air out the tuna salad smell. But that's against the rules. <clears throat> and the rush of oxygen starts a fire in a low-oxygen lab and it cannot be contained because Jerry has turned one of the fire extinguishers into a homemade jetpack for an ill-conceived prop <laughs> comedy bit. George rushes to find his engineer X to help her contain the situation, but she ignores him because they're not on speaking terms. Um, so everyone puts on Kramer's hazmat suits to avoid the poisonous toxins from the fire, but of course they're poorly made, so everyone dies as the biosphere burns to the ground. Um, this was actually conceived by Bannon as the final episode of Seinfeld, and the last <laughs> line was going to be Jerry screaming, What's the deal with mortality? As his lungs fill with toxic smoke, and Kramer exits this life with the very same physical comedy with which he usually enters a room. Um, in short, it's a clusterfuck, much like Bannon's actual time in government. But it probably would have been better than the actual Seinfeld finale. <laughs> Ooh, burn, burn. Oh, snap. Literal burn. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Larry David, as you're listening to this. Would Seinfeld deliver his line directly to camera? Yes. <laughs> you, of who, you that can, we are the audience that he's delivering to. You can see him reach up and grab a boom just to. <laughs> <laughs> and then pull the whole artifice down around him. Right. It's the Merv Griffin show all along. <laughs> Well, Ryan clearly thought uh, thought went into that, and you actually responded to the prompt. <laughs> I try. I do what I can. Well, that was a close one. I almost you can tell that half of it I did not respond to the prompt, and I almost <laughs> just went that direction, just about the the uh, rap musical. Well, uh, so I'm next. Um, that's me, Lars. Uh, I I do wish I'd gone uh, before you, Ryan, because your point about writing a sort of a derivative episode that showcases all of Bannon's flaws as a human being is definitely what I did. 
So, uh, Bannon's script uh, was written in the late Seinfeld era, which included the episode uh, where George plays a real-life game of Frogger, the one where Seinfeld and George make a character out of Seinfeld's girlfriend's belly button. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's various shenanigans about muffin tops and pudding skin. So, uh, in the episode that Bannon wrote, Seinfeld investigates the Jewish media cabal, uh, learning that the apparently feckless macadamia nut-loving Uncle Leo is actually somehow also chief editor for the New York Times, which Seinfeld learns after reading an editorial about anti-Semite short-order cooks, which Seinfeld had joked about on The Tonight Show just the evening before. Uh, Meanwhile, in the B-plot, Elaine recants her career aspirations and is possessed with a burning desire to get pregnant and start a family. Uh, She becomes a Madonna character in that way, the mother, and yet also the whore as she sluts it up around the Upper West Side, poking holes in her suitor's condoms, and for reasons that are never explained, shouts, Give it to me, Steve, uh, in the episode's increasingly graphic sex scenes. Uh, In the C plot, George realizes how much money he can save by becoming a Republican and begins to talk about his job at the Yankees as if he gained the position purely on the basis of merit. (laughs) Kramer gets into the conservative swing of things by finally getting a job and joining the NRA. He's quickly fired after he starts waving a gun around the Boston market where he works. Uh, And as he's dragged off to the loony bin, he shouts, This is only justice for weirdos like me. Uh, Back in the A-plot, Seinfeld continues to unravel the Jewish conspiracy, journeying to his parents' house in Florida, finding a secret radio transmitter to Israel in Morty Seinfeld's underwear drawer. Uh, This is cast as nefarious, but when Jerry learns that Betty Seinfeld, his mother, has secretly been skimming money from her garden club, bake sales uh, to buy Israel bonds, this is viewed positively, as indicated when an unidentified disembodied voice says... We need to support Israel. (laughs) Seinfeld flies back to New York City to attend uh, attend Elaine's baby shower, where it's revealed that George is the father. George will renounce his Judaism and raise the baby Protestant, eschewing a bris in favor of a circumcision in the hospital, as he says, by a doctor who knows what he's doing, not some nut in a costume. And that's that's the nominal end of the episode. But in uh, epilogue cards... Uh, it's explained that Newman found a hidden clause in the Constitution that allowed him to dissolve the post office uh, in favor of private carriers. Uh, Jackie Childs got Michael Jackson's surgery to become white, uh, and the soup Nazi became a regular Nazi. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, thanks. some of those actually ring a little. I could, I could see <laughs> yeah. an episode where Kramer somehow becomes in charge of a, of a, a pack, including the NRA. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, I could see. I'm surprised there wasn't one in which Kramer joins the NRA, honestly. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, you know, hilarity would ensue, as it yeah. often does. Cause the NRA, they're just, you know, nice guys. Just and nice, also, nice and Seinfeld's a funny show. Yeah, it's, it's a funny program. <laughs> I think you found the crux of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that was that was great, Lars, in that it uh, condensed all of Steve Bannon's monstrous ideas into 22 minutes of comedy. Yeah, there's not too much I was able to leave out. I was, yeah. you know, initially, initially I made a list of everything I know about him, and there was very little to use. His time in the Navy, uh, his experience with uh, uh, financial analysts, uh, 
The yes. fact that he's a sack full of rats in a human suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old Muppet man. The fact that he owns five sweaters and he wears them all at the same time. Oh, I smell a Segway. <laughs> uh, so I'll uh, bring us home, as it were. Um, and as usual, the liberal media starts with the gotcha questions, right? <laughs> uh, this prompts entire premise is wrong. Uh, Bannon not only substi- uh, submitted several scripts, but many of them were actually produced. Ah. Uh, you know, you take his scrawlings, you run them through Punch Up, and boom, you got a show. Right? So, in fact, some of Seinfeld's best known numbers started as Bannon joints. Did it at Lars? <laughs> got it. <laughs> uh, so, for example, um, the limo episode where George is O'Brien, that's his. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Except I imagine O'Brien was the hero in the original write up. <laughs> that's true. In the original, George keeps up the ruse for a longer time, hoping to get the she Nazi into the old sack. <laughs> And by the end of it, he agrees that the Aryan Union has some cogent points about labor regulations. <laughs> Jerry never buys in, though. Uh, the Chinese restaurant op- episode, also, that was a real experience from Bannon's life that fueled his immigration policies. <laughs> Caught right! <laughs> uh, Bannon also wrote the Puerto Rican Day episode, and that pretty much went uh, through unchanged. Sure, yeah, I was wondering <laughs> about that, yeah. Yeah. Ditto for Mr. Pitt hiling at the Molin Springs merger and the fucking soup Nazi. You know, he's just planting the seeds to normalize fascism and quotidian life and slam (laughs) fucking dunk, by the way. (laughs) Uh, And here we go, Ryan. He also did the puffy shirt episode. Uh, Originally, it was four layered puffy shirts with popped collars and a blazer over them. (laughs) Really set you up for that one. Yep. Uh, folks at home, we uh, do not arrange this in advance, and I think the show demonstrates that. <laughs> uh, also, originally, Elaine uh, also had a much more difficult time during the masturbation contest episode uh, after JFK Jr. lets it slip that he wants to uh, er, uh, grab her by the sugar walls. <laughs> also, hey, did you notice how Trump's speeches about a wall to keep out undesirables sound familiar? That's because they're mostly taken verbatim from descriptions of the Bubble Boy's plastic room divider. <laughs> Fucking Trump shouting, Moors! <laughs> Would anybody notice? Would you? No. Uh, also, the whole anti-dentite thing was his, trying to make mm. anti-Semitism seem like trivial whinging. Wow. Uh, Kenny Rogers Roasters also was Bannon's. <laughs> uh, although, never mind about that one. <laughs> Um, oh, Bannon also wrote the one about the voice that comes out of Jerry's girlfriend's stomach. Hello, I'm a Leninist and I want to bring down the state. La, 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 talk to me. Uh, that's pretty much all of them. Although, interesting fact, did you know Wayne Knight, who plays Newman, actually worked as a private detective for five years before joining Seinfeld? Really? No. Yeah, apparently that's true. No, I liked it and, and apropos of nothing as well. I like that. That's yeah. right. I'm yeah. sure he could really blend into the background of any situation he found himself in. <laughs> right. Or was that was that uh was that preparation for his work on Jurassic Park though when he was an espionage agent in that? Oh, he just got really deep into character in <laughs> yeah, the anticipation of the coming role five years later. <laughs> yeah. He's a method actor, so he blasted himself in the face with mace every day for five years. <laughs> Blasted in the face, the Wayne Knight story. <laughs> <laughs> I um, One of the pieces of trivia I wanted to get in about Bannon that I couldn't was that he uh, was quite the baller 
in the Ooh. Navy basketballer oh. in the Navy and earned himself the nickname Coast to Coast for being a real ball hog. Um, so perhaps he wrote the episode, the Jimmy episode, uh, with George and the, sh- the shoes as well. It could that, be. that could have been his. You know, his fingerprints are all over this thing. Coast to Coast is getting frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, or the one where. Um, Oh yeah, the, the nickname episode also. Maybe he was obsessed with the getting the nickname, keeping the nickname. Oh yeah, T Bone. Yeah, it could be. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why no coast to coast? You can see him there using Ryan that uh, knowledge of the uh, urban streets to uh, not only call himself a baller, but to pick up a, a handle like coast to, to pick coast. up a handle like that, oh, and perhaps the uh, episode in which Kramer turns into a pimp at the end. Was inspired oh. by his own knowledge of uh, intimate, detailed knowledge of the streets. It is interesting that he has these kind of ties, some actual uh, ones, to the right. entertainment industry. Yes. Um, because, I mean, uh, I was watching a movie the other day, and uh, the Treasury Secretary, uh, uh, he popped up as one of the producers. I mean, there, and, you know, Trump oh. himself is a, you know, a. Uh, really just a caricature i mean quite literally oh, i thought you're gonna say he's the bankroller of porkies is that i would believe that at this point no i don't think it's true but i would yeah i could see it uh, I, i'm sure he described himself uh, that way at one point but it's weird that there are these connections to the entertainment industry i guess it's not that weird but it's also i mean like you know it, it recalls how hitler was a failed painter yeah um, well um apparently he was like straight up like blatantly influenced by what is that Nazi documentary maker? Oh, Riefen- Lenny Riefenstahl. Yes, yes, yeah. that's right. That he like cites that as a as an influence of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a documentary about Sarah Palin's vice presidential run, which is ironically called "The Undefeated." Right. I'm not sure where the title comes from there. Yeah. I don't know if that's about Obama or or what. Um, <laughs> And he uh, produced Titus, the uh, what is that Julie Taymor movie that oh. I that I genuinely like, um, that four hour Anthony Hopkins oh, really? Titus. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it is a yeah. good movie. He was in, had his mitts all over that. So I guess that does it for uh, for that part of the show. Right. Um, and. So, as folks know, uh, it's been a while since our last uh, Agony cast. One of the main reasons there is, uh, you know, we're all just cash-strapped. Mm. Um, I mean, podcasting is, without a doubt, one of the most financially demanding forms of media. Mm. Um, so, you know, it takes a while for us to, uh, to get the scratch together to sure. put another one together. Well, and the barriers to entry, too, are pretty incredible. Yeah. There's yeah. Trump's wall right there. <laughs> Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind, as folks know, we occasionally rent out the middle of our program to other podcasts just to keep the lights on. Mm. Uh, and so that's what's happened here. We've got another podcast that's uh, that's reserved some time. Surprisingly, it's not the Cuss Cast. In fact, Ryan, I heard that things got a little a little too kinetic, a little too hot for the Cuss Cast. <laughs> We had to go underground for a yep. while. Cuss literally went underground. <laughs> right. Um, and I had to go underground as well after uh, some encounters with some uh, Etruscan separatists that I think everyone heard about. I heard the show had to shift into the old deep dark web. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can download it there as you're looking for, you know, assassins and that kind of thing. For privacy reasons, it's not even recorded or broadcast anymore. <laughs> it's just Ryan in a bunker shouting through a, a rolled up paper code. We've had some really good episodes, though, lately. <laughs> Lots of great guests. I actually had John Grisham on as a guest. Oh, 
I can see that. Our greatest living American <laughs> author for now. That's <laughs> uh, good to hear. Ryan, uh, you know, I know you were off the grid for a while. You've gone so deep that you need the Tor browser just to put your pants on in the morning. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, you did have to fake your own death. L- regular listeners will be shocked to even hear your voice, considering uh, you were long reputed to, be, to have passed. I, th- I thought that I could finally come out of hiding now that my Bitcoin is doing a little bit better. <laughs> uh, anywho, so um, this podcast bought some time in our show. Uh, I don't really know what it's about or who makes it. Uh, whoever it is, they paid for it in a new cryptocurrency called the Secret Peso. Uh, so I'll uh, just uh, hit play here and turn it over to them. Okay. Hello, and this is Slush Fund, the realest 7-Eleven truther podcast out there. You're welcome, patriots. Now, we all know that 7-Eleven was a part-time job, but here are three facts you didn't know about 7-Eleven. I report, you decide. Okay, are you ready for a truth bomb? First, Halliburton owns Circle K. Study it out. Two, rollers can't burn hot dogs. False flag. False flag. (laughs) And three, there is no number three. Never trust the media, snow cone. Okay, the heat's coming on and I've got to roll. If I stay on the air too long, FEMA could get a, a bead on my ham radio. Until the next slush fund, stay frosty, millipedes. All right, that's all it is. Okay, um, that was worth it. Whatever they paid us, it was totally worth it. I would well, have know, done that for free. Do you think that that's all true? <laughs> uh, is this like that thing that I did, that ill-fated bit I did a while ago where one of them is true and one of them is a lie? <laughs> and I kept waiting for my chance to go, and it never came. <laughs> <laughs> you got to guess, Lars. Yeah, I did I get just to think guess. you guessed so poorly, I, you forgot No, about I had it. a bunch of truths and lies. I was all ready to, to oh, break out, oh. but it never, yeah, it never Future interstitial back. there. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. You've got to buy your time, though. If, if you want that in, you got to pay. That's right. Yeah, this is a real. This is this whole podcast is a slush fund for Jeremy. Oh, hey, and good news, Lars, uh, because our low prices are gaining traction in the conspiracy uh, theory community. So you know, it, the costs are going down. Oh, good. Okay, that's good. Uh, next week's a no go. It looks like we've got a show booked from a group of flat birthers. Uh, these are people who believe the Earth is flat, and Obama was born on the underside of it. Show us your subterranean long form, comrade. So, so the other the other side is also Russian, or 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 just just com just communist, or yeah. Lars, you're through the mirror on this one, I think. <laughs> Lars has already gone in too deep. Yeah, I've broken rule one of conspiracy theories, which is not to think too hard about it. Yeah, don't look directly. Ask no questions. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our second and final uh, element of the show. That's our speed round. Speed round. Uh, and for this segment, uh, we respond to randomly determined stems. Uh, and it looks like for this time, fuck, where are they? Oh, here we go. Uh, so it looks like for this time, the first one is things you didn't know about Paul Ryan's workout routine. Ooh, timely Ooh, and political. snap, snap. Things so you I, didn't know about Paul Ryan's workout routine. This, this is a sort of an unintentional Seinfeld callback on, on my part, but have we done this one already? 
<laughs> at this point, everything's just blending. Uh, uh, you know what? Let me just uh, let me just sharpie this in. More things. <laughs> More things you didn't know about Paul Ryan's workout routine. Well, first of all, he is definitely on one of those automatic fat shaking machines. The, uh, the, the one that gives you the sort of mid waist rub down, for sure. Yeah. Similarly, he only works out with like those triangular shaped weights. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kettle, you mean kettlebells or just triangles that are very heavy? Hey, very heavy triangles. Well, <laughs> oh, and he does a lot of the world's strongest man workout yeah. routines. He like pulling a bus with his teeth. Right. You know, I think Magnus. You're thinking of the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> Magnus Ver Magnuson style. Wearing a beard of bees. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for his fingernails to grow out. <laughs> any day now, any day now. Now, Ryan, um, is that true because I always knew him as a P90X aficionado? Well, again, don't listen to the liberal media. That's true. They want you to believe that he's the one who's messing around with Drea. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you and Drea, you've really... You you need to get P90X just so you see what's next on their relationship development radar, Jeremy. Oh, I have P90X. Oh, that's you one do. that's the one and only thing Paul Ryan and I share. Okay, I think you need to get P90XXX, which is uh that's unofficial, but it has all the same people in it. I heard that uh if you really want to up your game, you do P91X. Oh. It's kind of the next level. It's one better. Yeah, it's But where are they going to go after that? That's the interstitial podcast in 2 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Drea, it's time. She's basically She-Hulk. <laughs> so uh, this is, I'm sorry, I, I am uh, not a workout person. Uh, this is a, a <laughs> P90X person, Drea. Uh, Drea is one of the uh, people who does the workout. So in, in the original P90X, your main man is Tony, Tony Horton, who's in his... Mm-hmm mid-40s pushing 50 but looks like a million bucks yeah um and then he's got his cadre of myrmidons behind him uh one of whom has a prosthetic lower leg but is still out there going for it good i, don't know good. If I knew that that's amazing yeah. yeah but okay so i'm i'm most familiar with p90 but then p90x okay yeah, okay. that comes from a time period where you could just slap X's onto things. <laughs> and, and it was and suddenly it, a brand new product. Right, like, it was just, it was like just a, more so. Yeah, right. I remember going to Wendy's X for a long time. <laughs> that was my favorite fast food place. Preceded by P90 2000. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. Um, since then, other versions of P90 whatever have come out and, and that kind of thing. But it's all just Tony going nuts. <laughs> and so to to get back to the original question which I desperately need answered. So Drea is one of the Uh-huh. one of the minions that performs the workout. She's sort of the Suzanne Summers of her day. Yeah, and occasionally like she'll lead, you know, one or two things and then Tony will make an aside comment like uh how Drea has a boyfriend and how he's a lucky man, a lucky man. The thing of it is, you know, you watch these things so many times, even the humorous asides are just ground into your subconscious. <laughs> Coca-Cola, oops, I said it. Drink your water, people. <laughs> I like, I like that it's, it's really the fact that you said the lucky man twice that really indicates that it's in those memory banks. Lucky right, man, this is burned man. into your brain. Yeah, oh, and it, it also um, tips Tony's hand that he's boning Drea. Oh, see, that's I. I gotta. I feel like I'm just becoming dumber as I age, and that's a great example of that. I, I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. 
Oh, yeah. If he's saying, hey, your boyfriend's a lucky man, come on. That's step one. Got it. <laughs> okay. wait, Seduction wait. 101. Okay. So were you suggesting that he was boning Drea after the thing aired? And he was lucky man was his way of flattering her and making his way in? Or he's definitely referring to himself? I think he's boning her during it. That's P93 3X. <laughs> right, which was, that was right. I, yeah, I made that joke. But the, so, okay. <laughs> so wait, wait a second. All right, so, so he is the boyfriend. No, uh, no, unless he's speaking of himself in third person, like, like Jimmy and Coast like to Coast. 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 Yes. <laughs> But no, this off-screen boyfriend is probably, uh, you know, just sitting there stewing in his own juices, knowing that Tony is, is creeping his way in. And that there's nothing him. he can okay. do about it. No. Okay. What's he going to do? Stand up to this Ubermensch? <laughs> so, Good luck. So when Steve, Steve, no, Tony, when Tony says, lucky man, that's a taunt against the boyfriend. It's not actually a compliment about the man's uh, felicity. I think literally he's complimenting Drea, but metaphorically he's talking about Paul Ryan's workout routine. <laughs> okay. All right. Right. Full circle. It was right. planned from okay. the beginning. It does. I, I hate to belabor the point, but it does. Do you? Also, full circle is something that Paul Ryan is doing as part of his is workout that the, routine. The old uh, uh, helicopter genitalia trick. It's just like those, uh, you know, early uh, film footage of calisthenics where it's like, you know, swinging your arms in a big circle, 10 squat thrusts, uh, those bicycle oh, kicks yeah. in the air, bicycle kicks. wearing a, a gray sweatsuit, oh, yeah. and then a, a kangaroo comes in that you have to box. <laughs> really, really, you're really missing Jeez, that's a Seinfeld joke. It? Yeah, it is, right? Oh, man, Lloyd Bridges is this coach off to the side. Fantastic. Well, I think we've cracked open Paul Ryan's workout routine, and I didn't know any right, of these right. things. Right. Nobody did. Yeah, nobody did. This was all secret information. Who's running the conspiracy oh. podcast now? Yeah. Relatedly, question two. Which one of us is going <laughs> to die first and how? Well, once Paul Ryan hears that we've cracked his, podca- <laughs> or his uh, workout secrets, all of us, I think, in mysterious right. circumstances. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I think that... Uh, Ryan and Nathaniel, you know, in the universe of the in the agony verse, I think that Ryan and Nathaniel have have already died. So, in a way, it's like the Marvel. It's like a cart, you know, a comic book universe. will just come back. I mean, who was the first person to have died? Is the question. I think that was Ryan. I was rebirthed in the Lazarus <laughs> right, pits. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's just how it works. Yeah, people, it was to sell more podcasts. You know, you fake my death, and then there's a dramatic right. re-entry. Oh, so many downloads. Ryan was played by four uh, different people who manifested uh, separate aspects uh, of his personality. <laughs> One was right. made it of was, metal. It yeah, was Ryan Rise lives. of the Super Ryans. <laughs> I remember that. Except none of them are Ryan. Right, Ryan actually then... Right, that's yeah, that's the real trick by the a Kryptonian robot. None of them are me. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because all of us have had our flirtations yes. with mortality. Recently. Uh, be it, <laughs> be yes. it through natural disasters, hilarious health problems. Yeah, man-made disaster. Right, right. <laughs> and you know who's sitting pretty over there is Lars, actually. Lars is the one who's... who's uh, no, none of our listeners know what we're talking about at all, but uh, off mic, Lars is the one who's uh, avoided coming close to death recently which means i think lars is the one who's he gets the first death blow i think my system is resetting because i thought that i was the person with the most health anxiety imaginable which is like shakespeare's 
the coward dying many deaths before the end actually comes. But then it turns out that Jeremy shares some of my health anxiety. So really now I don't know what my role is in this crazy mixed up agony verse. Oh, I, th- I think it's going to be a pretty stiff competition for health-related anxiety amongst the four of us. Yeah. No, you're the agony caster who's really... <laughs> you're wading into deep waters. Really worried about your health, yeah. You're the hypochondriac. Oh, sh- shut up about your yeah. yeah premature baldness. I don't burn off my first layer of skin every time I go into the house Sorry. to get rid of germs yeah. or anything like that. Like we're all doing things from Gattaca. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I mean, realistically, in order to keep the thing going, it's going to have to be a side character. So, you know, Jackie or John or uh, one of our our other one-offs. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That conspiracy host that that was just here a moment ago. Yeah, I mean, it's going to look like an accident. But But we know. know. It's going to be troops from the Underverse. (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to move on because if we talk about this too much, it's going to bring it into being, which is my understanding of how things work. Yeah, that's a good right, that's how death works. But do you guys, okay, but just for a moment, do you guys, do you get on the dark web very often? I don't know how to get on the dark web. Recall a few episodes ago, I didn't know what Reddit was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because it, it's on the dark web. I mean, it's very, it's the public face of the dark web. In fairness, giving our publication schedule a few episodes ago was 2013. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was before Reddit actually was a, a thing. It was still called Slashdot at that point. Uh, I, I don't go on there much, Lars. This felt like it was leading to something. No, no, no. I was just curious because it's not... I, uh, I I feel like... Are you are you going to buy assassins to take us out, Lars? Yeah, that's Is that right. Well, yeah, because you feel like someone, the universe demands that someone from the Agony cast needs to die. I want to know if you're going to trace the breadcrumb trail that I'm going to leave behind with my obviously shoddy attempts to, to hire an assassin, including the initial salvo that I've already launched, which is putting a page on Reddit that says, how do I get on the dark web to kill my friends on the Agony Cast? Hashtag Agony Cast, hashtag I actually dark responded to that. Yeah, I oh, gave great. you some, some tips. Well, yeah. I gave you some karma. I appreciate that. You thought it was, yeah. You thought you, you, I upvoted that. You wondered if it was you that had posted it initially and you couldn't remember. Oh, this is back Hey, Lars, was that, on, uh, was that on me, IRL? <laughs> See, that's some insider dirt about how Agony, or excuse me, how Reddit works. Yeah, that's pretty good. No, yeah, it was a subreddit called Killing Your Friends, uh, which is launched by uh, Miss Dark Mr. Rogers. You know, I uh, I think, Lars, that the Slender Man is going to get you. Oh, That's my guess. Shit. Yeah. I have twist. You've got it coming. Most people refer to Lars as the Slender yeah, Man. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I've got, I'll get myself. If I look at Pale, myself in the suits, mirror, I have to strangle myself. Oh, the Slender Man is me. All right, so our third prompt in toto is Jesus. Something about that Hamburglar reboot, right? Well, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to walk this back a bit. First, I don't has, know. The, has the Hamburglar been Every, rebooted? Everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Folks at home, we just have a a collected list of let's just call them thoughts that get collaboratively jotted down, and then we just randomize it. This one's probably from several years ago. If it wasn't a fever dream to begin with. If you like pop culture minutia from four years ago, <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. 
<laughs> As I understand it... Finally, this Hamburglar, Hamburglar reboot is getting its due. <laughs> from a brief Google, Hamburglar was rebooted as a regular person, right? Who actually sort of in practice looks like R. Kelly, if R. Kelly was white. Uh, but then... Well, he was shoplifting pooty. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's... I guess that's the idea, right? The Hamburglar... Uh, Wait, does so he doesn't burgle anymore? I think... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't burgle Hamburglers? I think he's still one who burgles, but I think that he's... Uh, the, the reboot was cast as a sexier Hamburglar. Ooh, well, I've always found him pretty sexy as is. That's right. How is that possible? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's uh, provided. I mean, the idea that I could be eating a hamburger and that any moment he would just come and take it. There's a lot of charged eroticism in yeah, that. That's right. Maybe he says rubble four times now. That's the only thing that it could be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, maybe what we should do then is kind of play with this. If we had to reboot the Hamburglar, right. what would it be? Lars, I think you've got us on the right track yeah. here with first move away from the defining characteristic of, of theft <laughs> right. to make this guy not only a flesh and bud human but just totally yoked right. let's let's see if paul ryan's busy could tony play him yeah could tony play this guy or you think or or should it be him the hamburglaris and it's woman like oh. ocean's 12 man yeah, you read my mind them- that's going to make the men's rights activists just furious. <laughs> what, is the Hamburglar not safe now? Now I have to believe that a woman could burgle hamburgers? <laughs> the good news is none of those folks go to McDonald's, right? Right, that's right. There's no overlap on that Venn diagram. <laughs> Lars, you read my mind, though. Gender swaps are so hot. Yeah. Very hot right Super now. Hot. So, yeah, yeah I, I think we keep it as the Hamburglar. But we, uh, we get a, uh, a woman in that role. Wait, wait, okay, I'm way ahead of you. Gender swapping. How about Caitlyn Jenner? Hmm. A pregnant pause. <laughs> That's an end of things. All right. What if here's here's an idea? Another way to go is that the Hamburglar becomes a more tragic figure who has to steal hamburgers <laughs> to, to feed her starving family. About, okay, wait, sort wait, Sort of wait. a Jean Valjean yeah, that's right. <laughs> type of figure. Okay, it's not even the Hamburger, it's the Hamburger Thief, like the bicycle thief. <laughs> this man has to decide between, yeah, he loses his job hanging posters in post-World War II Italy. Someone thieves his bicycle, and now he has to steal hamburgers. This is this is what McDonald's lands need. <laughs> McDonald's land needs is Dickensian tragedy, right? <laughs> Please, down. sir, could I have some more hamburgers? More? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Keep that going. Let me see how, let me see how deep that accent goes. Who, I think they appeal to Mayor McCheese, right? Who just turns them down. He's a cruel tyrant. Yeah, that's He right. throws like a, cool a fat cat. A greasy wad of hamburger wrappers on the ground. Lick these urchins. Suck on these wrappers. Meanwhile, that, that fat cat grimace is eating more than he can handle. Yeah, right. He insists that it's for some national security reasons, but we all know he's just a hungry man. Or whatever it is. Honestly, given the amount of characters that they have, it's surprising that McDonald's doesn't have more of a mythology for all of these people. They just sort of exist. Hey, what's (laughs) Tweety? She's a pre-nugget? The bird? You mean birdie? Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuggety. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Got it in three. There are nuggets, and there's a fry guy, but what's, what's birdie? Um, is she enthusiastic about Happy Meals? Oh, she's a... She's, Aren't we all? Wait, so she's the embodiment of happiness? Oh, does she have anything to do with breakfast because she's the early bird? Oh, she gets the hot... the flapjacks. 
God, I'm so hungry. It's and technically I could still I could I could go to McDonald's after this and actually get breakfast. It's so goddamn early here. Yeah. Yeah, we need to mention we're doing this in the morning <laughs> and unless you guys are doing it differently, I have not been drinking, which is why I'm so unfunny. Yeah, I think this is our best episode yet, but I always say that. You know, right now, regular listener Steve Bannon is squirming <laughs> in his seat because he knows what Bertie is. That's right. Yeah, she was central to his Seinfeld episode. I like the idea that he would just listen to anything about himself. Yeah, it is a constant. <laughs> like, what are the odds that Trump listened to that Trump episode that we did just because he's so media obsessed? Yeah, and or Bill Clinton listening to the, uh, yeah, the episode with him and Patterson. He's, he took some of those ideas, probably. Oh, yeah. Given what we now know about the NSA, I think the percent is 100. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. So to get back to it, very erotic, very jacked, yeah, yep. yes. very sexual yes. hamburger. Yeah, maybe yeah no, a lot of grease, grease dripping down the chin, just greased up, mm-hmm. I would yeah, say. sort of a rock figure. That's a good mm. question. I mean, if we swap genders, would it be a little... A little too on the nose to have an oversexualized woman. Right. Well, I mean, that would be it. Would be going like the Carl's Jr. Hardy's route. Right. Been right? done. Yeah, yeah. It's all, we've already been there. So we're we're thinking maybe a very sexualized but uh, non-gendered uh, human <laughs> character. Right, right. Does that mean that the person has all the parts or none of the parts? Or uh, like yeah. So I mean, it, it would it would be thematically appropriate if it was a side by side. Correct. Because now you can get breakfast all day. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. That's the theme. It's actually everything. This is the 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 omni yeah the omnisexual. Sorry, Lars. I'm gonna have to interrupt you. Uh, the three of us are currently being arrested for hate crimes. <laughs> that's a first. That's right. Yeah, they saw through the thin veneer of the message we were trying to send with those Seinfeld episodes. Surprisingly, Bannon is the one that called us in. Oh man, Bannon. He he bankrolled this whole episode. So I don't know why. <laughs> Next one's going to be just the list of mea culpas. <laughs> and it's just going to be this episode played again with us going, sorry, sorry, over it. God be merciful. God be merciful. Shame. All right. Um, well, that's going to do it for us. Um, uh, our last segment here, as always, is the vote. 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 All right. So here we uh, determine... Uh, which one of us won and therefore gets to select the two-minute win-it prompt for next time? Um, I think the rules of this are you can't vote for yourself. Oh, man. Um, although, you know, as elections have shown, none of this matters. <laughs> also, uh, I've been paid off by the Russians through the NRA, so it doesn't I, matter anyway. I hear there's been rampant voter fraud in the past with this. <laughs> it's been a really big and Somehow our problem. vote total is 7,000 yeah. because of illegals who've been bussed in by Pelosi. <laughs> um, so we'll go in order. Uh, Ryan, what's your vote here? Uh, I oh Lars, what what the oh, hell? Thanks, I'll vote man. for Lars. Oh. Yeah, but you uh, yeah, that was a that was a solid two minute win it round, and you really wouldn't let that Drea thing go, which I appreciated because I needed answers. <laughs> I needed well beyond answers. the point right. of hu- of humor, <laughs> even even the point of nausea. <laughs> right. Don't forget about me not letting the Caitlyn Jenner thing go. And through the other side yeah, to where right. it was that's enjoyable that's again my goal, to come out the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, this is a real Sophie's choice between you guys. Um, but I <laughs> think I'm going to let you wrong. both die. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, you do that to save your own skin, that's considering right. one of us has it coming. Yeah, that's right. I think it, <laughs> you can satisfy whatever sort of final destination type force wants us dead. That's right. That's true. We didn't drill down on that far enough that <laughs> if one of us kills the other, you gain his strength. Right, that's right. This is the one. And also, yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it to Jeremy. I thought you did a great job, Jeremy. And thank you for organizing this, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I win merely on t- logistical technicalities. Putting the blame on you. I just want to make sure they know who to arrest for the most heinous crimes. Um, all right, so it turns to me then to uh, to be the decider. Good role for me. Um, I'm gonna uh, throw my vote over to Lars. Hey. He he, you know, fulfilled the spirit of the prompt, which I like. Um, Ryan, you you had some uh, some good rhymes in there. I mean, I think really what that demonstrated is that uh, Bannon uh, by proxy you has a, a career in the music industry um, and doesn't really need to uh, uh, win on the Agony cast to uh, you know, get his, right. get yeah, his, no, get his I mean, bona fides. I've, I've got a lot of record deals. I've been doing some cuss-themed raps. Ironically, I don't cuss in my cuss-themed raps, though. Right. Keep it clean. <laughs> For the kids. The kids love cuss. <laughs> There's nothing they love more than an octogenarian writer of, of semi-erotic thrillers. About thrillers featuring shipwrecks from 150 years ago. There's nothing millennials want more than, than a half-chub from a book. All right, Lars. Uh, now here comes the responsibility of your victory. Yeah, that's right. The weight of the, of the world is on your shoulders. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, uh, all right, so I have a, a pitch and, a, and a, an experiment to suggest. So the pitch is we ask, what celebrity funeral, past or future, should David Lynch officiate? And the experiment is a slight change in our Constitution, which I think is in keeping with the Bannon theme of the show. And that is that we, rather than preparing material, we talk it out and attempt to do a sort of a writer's room roundtable in answering the prompt. Well, anything that allows me to be lazier. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, might, yeah. yeah but <clears throat> people may be surprised to hear that I wrote that in advance. The piece that I <laughs> but I actually put some time into that, yeah. so I would rather have that time back. Let's do it. Right. To spend with my family, of course. Before your death, because yes. it's coming first. Yeah. I mean, time is precious. Yeah. Life is suffering. All right. Um, if nothing else, this episode has proven that. Um, so we hope you'll join with us next time as we take a little bit of a left turn um, and address that topic. Um, boy, even after these many months and years, we still don't have a way to end this. 